Hello, good morning to everyone on Facebook. My name is Meryl Rory. Um, thank you for joining me today on Under the Wire. I apologize for being a few minutes late. Um, I had to try and get everything in the right order for today because I have a huge number of issues to talk to you about every week. It seems to be, I think, okay, this week I'm going to be able to talk about something other than coronavirus. But uh, it becomes a matter of we have so many things happening around this issue, um, so many threats to our basic rights, and so many things that we need to be active on that there's nothing I can do about it. It's just crazy. Good morning, Alexis. Good to see you here. And good morning to you, Adam, too. Um, I'm hoping to be able to take a lot of questions on this morning's show and still get through everything that I need to talk about. Uh, we'll see how that goes. So um, as I go through everything, I will try very hard to be able to see the comments and to uh, bring them up on screen and reply to them. So let's get started. We've got an awful lot happening. Um, the laws in Australia are being changed overnight. I don't know how many of you saw that there was a law that was passed in New Zealand. Uh, there was less than 48 hours from the time the law was introduced to the time it was passed. It was not sent to any committees, um, nothing at all. Good morning, Nicola. Good to see you. Um, nothing at all was done. And uh, it's been pretty crazy that it was it this law is basically going to allow the government the police whoever to come into your home force you to be tested uh basically take away your rights uh because of covid19 because of a disease that for all intents and purposes is looking like it's not going to be much worse and probably a bit better than your average seasonal influenza um, but here in Australia, we probably don't even need to pass these sorts of rules because they're already there. Um, this article is from the uh, March 3rd, 2020, uh, in the ABC. Uh, Australians could be detained or forced into treatment to prevent the spread of coronavirus. And what it's basically saying is that... Uh, and this is from the Attorney General. Because of the Biosecurity Act that was passed in 2015, uh, it gives the government the right to do certain things regardless of your um, view on anything. It can quarantine you at home if you're... It, this is what it says. A person could be hit with a control order, um, which would include a range of measures. Uh, quarantining at home, wearing protective equipment such as gowns or masks, it doesn't say whether that's at home or outside, undergoing examination by health professionals so doctors can force you to be examined, giving samples for diagnosis, they can force you to give up bodily fluids, forcing vaccinations or other treatments, and the control order can run for up to three months or be revoked earlier if authorities decided to lift the restrictions. So here in Australia, um, we, we already, uh, is that serious? I, I'm sorry, I've just seen a, a, a comment here from Anne DiOrio. Hi, Merck. 
please, I need your advice on my daughter that is wanting to start a family and the doctor is asking for up-to-date vaccination. Please help assist with this. Thank you. Um, if you're looking for advice from Merck, I'm sorry, you've really come to the wrong place. So um, what can be locked down under this? Uh, specific areas could be locked down or isolated in a bid to control the spread of the virus. Um, there could be a declaration of what are called human health response zones. That mean there are specific requirements for screening people going in and out of a zone. Now, this article was from March. We already have this happening in Australia. Uh, borders are closed. People are being restricted. In Queensland, you can't move more than 50 kilometers from your home address. Otherwise, you're breaching the order. So we already have um, an awful lot of um, legislation that allows the governments to do many things that prior to the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, uh, they were not able to do. And here is another piece of legislation that was passed on the 19th of February this year. Um, and this is a move on order. This is Victorian legislation. This is from the state. So this legislation and I will have I have three pages of links that I will be posting um, after the uh, under the wire is finished today uh, to the top of the page. So you will be able to access all of these laws. Um, uh, Belinda, I'm sorry, an act is a law. Uh, once it passes in Parliament, it becomes an act. So, uh, yeah, it is it is a law. So um, at least, you know, according, not according to common law. Um, yeah, okay, Anna, that was what they call a Freudian slip. <laughs> no worries, I thought you really were trying to address Merck. Do me a favor, I'm not gonna give a personal advice on here. Uh, by, all, by all means, send a request to the page and I will get back to you, okay? Uh, so in this move on, Act that was passed in Victoria in February 2020. It is basically an act to restrict the right of free citizens, free subjects of the crown. I'm sorry, Anna, I'm not going to give you personal advice. Um, and you, yeah, you can wait until the show's over. I'm sorry. Uh, you can, it's basically meant to restrict your ability to protest. So uh, it's giving the police broader powers to require a move on order. So the police can basically come up to you and tell you to move away and get out of the area uh, for demonstrating or protesting about a particular issue, speaking, bearing, or otherwise identifying with a banner, placard, or sign, or otherwise behaving in a way that is apparently intended to publicize the person's view about a particular issue reintroduce strengthened exclusion orders. So what they're basically saying in Victoria is that the Constitution of Australia is null and void in the state of Victoria. They are not going to uh, abide by the rules of the Constitution because uh, under the Constitution, we do have the right to peaceful protest. It is a guaranteed right and no state can uh, overrule any of the sections of the Constitution. The Constitution, the, the federal government only has certain areas where they 
can be, I guess, uh, listened to. So uh, they, what the state of Victoria is doing right now is illegal under the Constitution. So um, it's pretty crazy that that's going on. And we are having our rights ripped away from us, left, right, and center. Now here is something else. Um, bear with me a second. This is the federal government, the organization that we pay for, the representatives that we elect, and the people who have been telling us that we don't have the right to go out in public anymore uh, for most reasons because they're trying to protect us. Um, the federal government has spent 10 million of our tax dollars on antibody tests that have turned out to be inaccurate. Well, that's not really a surprise considering the fact that we know already that the regular COVID-19 tests, the PCR tests, are showing an incredibly high number of false positives and potentially false negatives as well. So um, they've found out that these 500,000 on-site antibody tests are not accurate, but it says the test could still be used in conjunction with further laboratory tests. So instead of saying, whoops, we've bought something that's not working, we're gonna stop using them, they're saying, we'll use them, we'll just test you more. And it's kind of crazy that that's being allowed and that our government is showing quite clearly here that they don't know what they are doing, they have no idea. Um, this is an article from Katie Atwell. Now she is, uh, I, I think she's a social scientist, I'm not sure, uh, but she, she's out in West Australia. She's spent many years trying to um, basically defeat anyone who is questioning vaccination. So she put up a series of billboards in West Australia telling people that they should get vaccinated and um, yeah, she's basically been one of these people who's been lobbying really hard to take our rights away. This article, COVID-19 Civil Liberties and the Role of the State, Mandatory Vaccination and COVID-19. Um, here, here she says the COVID-19 vaccine will likely be a game, the game-changing step in allowing Australians to once again board planes and cruise ships. Yes, apparently some people still want to. She lives in fear, and her fear will only be assuaged if everyone around her is vaccinated, because then she thinks that somehow, even if she's vaccinated, she's not protected unless you are too. And what she's saying here is we should not be allowed to travel unless and until we are vaccinated. Um, currently, the Australian government recommends that travelers, especially those visiting exotic places, receive a number of vaccines for diseases that the rest of us tend not to worry about. Yellow fever, tuberculosis, rabies. Now, rabies vaccine is not given routinely, I'm sorry. Uh, rabies is usually given post-exposure. Uh, tuberculosis vaccines, yeah, I guess some, some travel doctors recommend them. Yellow fever vaccine is not required, it's only recommended. Um, and the traveler must pay for them. A COVID-19 vaccine would need much stronger, much stronger enablers, strange choice of words. It's almost certain that the vaccine would be free, funded by the government, which means funded by you and me, 
but it may also be required as a condition of re-entry to Australia unless there were medical reasons why the traveler could not be vaccinated. So if you leave Australia after the vaccine comes out, um, Katie Atwell thinks that you shouldn't be allowed back in. It is hard to imagine governments being willing to put up return travelers in five-star hotels for mandatory quarantine since the hotel's owners would hope to have filled them with tourists who themselves would need to be vaccinated before arrival. So what Katie Atwell is, is saying basically is that we shouldn't be allowed movement, freedom of movement or freedom of anything uh, without getting vaccinated. And she goes on to say, either way, the numbers of people who will need to be vaccinated are likely to be extremely high. And then she says something that is an absolute lie, unscientific, not true. Vaccination works through the principle of community protection, also known as herd immunity, whereby extremely high levels of vaccination prevent the disease from getting a foothold and circulating. Vaccination does not work through herd immunity. Vaccination is supposed to protect the individual. And if it does not protect the individual, then it does not protect anyone at all. So what Katie Atwell here is saying in a journal um, with her, you know, uh, her degree behind her is either untrue or simply, uh, you know, misinformed. She is spreading misinformation as far as I'm concerned. Um, and Julia, yes, Professor Kale is taking her Irish government to court because there is no scientific basis for this COVID-19 pandemic. I am trying to get Professor Cahill onto Under the Wire, and I hope to do so sometime this week. Uh, I've seen her interviewed on a couple of um, different broadcasts, uh, including on the High Wire, and she's excellent. She's really excellent. And she's someone who actually developed a vaccine herself. So she, you, you can't accuse her of being anti-vaccine, but she questions the basis of this entire pandemic conversation. Um, yeah, I hope someone takes her to court to challenge those views. I don't know if you can take her to court to challenge the views, but if you're in West Australia, and you may not even need to be in West Australia, I think you can certainly uh, file a complaint against her with the HCCC, and that should be done. Uh, because nobody has a right to misinform people like that. And, and especially if you're talking about taking away our rights, uh, nobody has a right to do that. So um, basically what the government is saying and what's happening in Australia is, this is a meme I just found. You know, I love my memes. Uh, I can offer you security. I require only that you kneel. Now, see, that's going to be a problem. And that's exactly how I feel. The government is asking us to give up our rights in order for them to keep us safe from a disease that there is no evidence is going to be a killer of healthy adults or people who actually take charge of their own health. Um, we have a situation over the last week where people in Australia have been, um, sorry, not people, the, the football players, ARL and, sorry, AFL and NRL. You can tell I'm a huge sports fan. <laughs> uh, 
uh, I watched football every week with my in-laws until they passed away a couple of years ago. And it was just a great excuse for me to sit there with my knitting and watch them all jump up and down and say, rah, rah, rah. I've never understood the game. So um, in Australia, the, um, the AFL and the NRL players, sorry, not in Australia. This is only in Queensland. Uh, the players have been told that they cannot play football in Queensland unless they have proof that they've been given a flu vaccine. My understanding was quite a few players have said, no, they're not going to do it. Um, and perhaps last man standing against it was Bryce Cartwright. And we'd been told that he'd been seeking legal advice. And I think that the fact that he was seeking legal advice scared the daylights out of the state government and as well it should. And uh, the, uh, sorry, the chief health officer, Dr. Jeanette Young, uh, and what I have to share with you all is a series of articles that were written about Dr. Jeanette Young and her cover-up that was discovered under Freedom of Information of the death of a young girl in Brisbane, Ashley Jade Ipapra, uh, back in 2009 just before the disaster occurred with the um, swine flu vaccination of young children in West Australia where hundreds of kids were hospitalized and uh, Saba Button was permanently brain damaged. Um, Dr. Jeanette Young covered up Ashley's death, asked the media not to report on it, and then told the media a month later when it came out that she'd been unaware that this child had died. So. Um, she, Dr. Jeanette Young, was the person who had to decide whether or not uh, Bryce Cartwright would be allowed to play football in Queensland. And he was given a medical exemption um, from flu shots. I don't know what the previous reaction he's claimed to have uh, had, and good on him for getting an exemption and good on him for being allowed to play. Um, he was allowed to return to the playing squad to prepare for the season restart. Uh, Brian Kelly was also told he can return to training after being a good little boy and receiving the flu shot on Thursday. Um, yeah, so basically uh, he said that he would not be forced into having the vaccine. I won't be bullied into making decisions that could impact my health and the health of my family. Given, the, uh, given us the ultimatum of get the shot or be stood down is coercion and leaking private medical information is illegal. He's right there. As for me, being the first and apparently only one declining this shot is bullshit and far from the truth. That we've been told that up to 20 players had said they wouldn't take the vaccine. I don't know how many of those players actually ended up taking the vaccine. Uh, and I don't know who most of the other players are because they didn't go public with it. Um, and no jab, no play is what the government of Queensland was calling this horrible uh, regulation. But the fact is that Bryce Cartwright got an exemption that our children can't get. The only way you can get an exemption to vaccination in Australia is if you um, have an anaphylactic or life-threatening allergic reaction to a vaccine. There was no indication that Bryce Cart, sorry, um, that he had had an actual uh, anaphylactic reaction. So if he was entitled to an exemption, and when I say entitled, 
we shouldn't even have to get exemptions. Our bodies are our bodies. We have an absolute inalienable right, not given by the government, cannot be taken away by the government to decide what goes into our bodies and when. But if Bryce Cartwright was given an exemption, our children should also be entitled to exemptions. And on that note, I want to let you know that there are two lawyers. Um, there are links to them on the page below. But I, in the um, summary that I'm going to post after today's show is over, I will have their contact details also. Um, Serene Tefaha, and I apologize if I'm pronouncing her name incorrectly, she is looking to take a class action lawsuit for people who are affected by the aged care legislation, um, either those who work aged care or those who um, are, uh, sorry, are not able to visit their relatives in aged care. Uh, and there is another lawyer who's come out who's also looking. He wants to take the um, the state laws uh, that are being used right now to prevent people from working at or visiting aged care uh, facilities to the High Court of Australia. So both of these people can be contacted. They are, They say they are happy to be contacted if you are being affected by any of this legislation. So... If you are in that position, please uh, look down the page for their contact details or wait until the show is over and I will post their details above. We are not victims. We are not helpless in this situation right now. We are free men and free women. I say this every single week, but it's true. We are free to make our own choices and the government is acting like a bully, a schoolyard bully. And what do we do with schoolyard bullies? They're cowards. They will back down if you fight them. And we need to fight the government because they are not our boss. They are not our mother or our father. Uh, they are servants. They work for us. And if you have an employee who is trying to bully you as their boss, you fire them. And that's what we need to do with our government. Any government that acts in this way is acting, as far as I'm concerned, illegally, immorally, and unethically, and they don't deserve to be in government. So we and we really and truly need to take these steps. Um, uh, <laughs> okay, Marion said that Serene seems to be overwhelmed with inquiries. Keep trying, I guess. I can only imagine, Marion. So yes, be patient because she's come forward and she's willing to help. She not only is willing to help, she wants to help. So, I mean, the AVN cannot recommend or not recommend either of these lawyers, but the fact is that they've come forward and it's a great place for us to start. So if you're trying to get in touch with them and they're being flooded with requests, just be a little patient. They'll back to you. Um, uh, Sharon says, time for someone to do that research paper on what has changed in health outcomes for the residents and workers in aged care. Now, I think it was last week, it may have been the week before, um, that I, I showed a, a table on under the wire from the NNDSS, which is the National Notifiable Diseases Surveillance System. Um, and that shows the notifications for influenza in Australia, in Australia for every year since 2001. And mass vaccination for the elderly started in 1997, and there were some points where a push was made much stronger. And the rate 
of notifications for influenza, and you can go to the NNDSS website and find this information yourself or look back at Under the Wire. But the more vaccinations that we had in the elderly and then in young people when, when the vaccination came on for infants and young children and young adults, the more vaccinations Australia used, the exponentially, um, sorry, the, the, the more the uh, incidents or reported uh, incidents of influenza increased and it increased exponentially. It went from several hundred cases to tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of cases. So if we're looking for the evidence that the flu vaccine is either safe or effective, there is none. Uh, in fact, the evidence is indicating that increased use of flu vaccination means increased incidence of flu notifications and deaths. Um, flu vaccinations for aged care residents were done in April this year. I thought it started May 1st, but uh, that may just be when the legislation started. Okay, it would be good to see what the deaths in aged care facilities were amongst residents after that started and who was vaccinated and who was not. And Sharon, you're right, we need to get someone to do that study because that would be very instructive. Um, Alfie says they're acting like the enemy. Yes, they are. Um, the government in this case is not our friend. They're not acting like our friend, friend at all. Um, even services are being blackmailed into pushing their staff into vaccination. Yes, this, first of all, I wanna to talk to you about the use of flu vaccination to try and prevent COVID-19. What we were told at the beginning, and the mantra is changing by the day. In the beginning, we were supposed to go on a two-week lockdown because it was thought that if we stayed inside for 14 days, um, there would, the disease would not be able to spread because there'd be no contact person to person. So the reason for that lockdown was to prevent our hospital system from being overwhelmed. It was afraid that we would have thousands of people showing up at the emergency departments and no way to take care of them. So we went into lockdown for two weeks to prevent that from happening. That two weeks has turned into two months. The hospitals have never been overwhelmed. I have not looked at the latest figure for deaths in uh, Australia from COVID-19, but a couple of days ago, there were 98 deaths in all of Australia from COVID-19, under 100 deaths. And there might have been, I think it was under 7,000 cases reported across the country. There has never been an overwhelming of the, um, of the uh, hospital system because of COVID-19. Doctors and nurses are being furloughed. People who actually need the hospital are being turned away because they've got to keep the hospitals free for the non-existent patients with COVID-19. So we are seeing deaths from other causes going up because they're not able to get treatment for things that they need treatment for. The hospital system has become completely disabled. Uh, it was pretty disabled to begin with, but it's become completely disabled because of COVID-19. And what we're seeing is that uh, this lockdown situation is becoming indefinite for absolutely no reason. The government is saying, we don't care if you go bankrupt. We don't care if you lose your job. Um, we honestly don't care about you as people, as individuals. The rate of suicides, the rate of domestic violence are all going up like crazy. Uh, deaths from despair are going to uh, 
you know, make deaths from COVID-19 look like a walk in the park, and every death is a tragedy. But there are some deaths that are preventable and some deaths that are not. And these deaths from despair are absolutely preventable. The government is, is completely destroying the country. And that is not the role of a government. Okay, Christina said, I'm sorry, I didn't see what you're responding to. I did see someone say, um, okay, Tracy says flu vaccines are not mandatory for the residents, only everyone that wants to enter the buildings. And that's true. They have not made flu vaccination mandatory for residents of aged care. I'm not sure if that's what you were responding to or not. Um, so uh, let me just see what else I'm missing. Um, Okay, Francis says, I've been made non-operational because I declined vaccination. Francis, you need to contact one or both of those lawyers when I put the details up. Um, uh, yes, this is an interesting point, Jane. I'm glad you shared that, uh, that link. It's not one of the links that I have for today, but I have read that article. Um, apparently, there is a link between deaths from coronavirus and receipt of the flu vaccination, which is not at all surprising. Um, 2017 to 2018, the Department of Defense in the United States did a study, and I've shared that study several times, uh, showing that people who get vaccinated against influenza are 36% more likely to contract uh, one or more coronaviruses and COVID-19 is a coronavirus, which makes this whole push for flu vaccination curious. Um, not only is it nonsensical because you can't prevent coronavirus with influenza vaccinations, you can't even make the disease um, less, less symptomatic, uh, the, the studies are showing that you can make the condition worse. And this article from the Gateway Pundit that Jane Hanlon shared uh, actually shows that there is a correlation between people who died from coronavirus and people who'd received the seasonal flu vaccine. And that correlation, I don't know if this particular article covered this or not, but in Italy, um, almost all the deaths that occurred in Italy occurred in people who were quite elderly. And Italy had just introduced a new flu vaccine for the elderly that was... Um, increased antigen. It was much stronger. And the death rates in their elderly people were shockingly high. And that correlation was not looked at um, when they examined why these people were dying of coronavirus. Were they dying of coronavirus or were they dying because they got the flu vaccine, which increased their risk exponentially of dying from coronavirus? Um, and yes, Kelly, uh, the idea of isolating healthy people to prevent a disease in the sickly is nonsensical. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And I think that we actually need to get out there and start taking action against this. And that's what I want to share with you next. Hang on one second. Let me just find what I'm up to. Okay. Um, there was a protest last weekend in Melbourne. Many of you may have seen it on Saturday, um, a lockdown protest. There were two arrests at this very peaceful protest. 
The police, as you can see them lined up in front there, the police stood there and watched for about an hour and a half. And then towards the end of the protest, when it was breaking up, they went and arrested one person who was speaking, Thanos, and another person who had also been speaking. Um, I think they accused them of being the organizers of the protest. Uh, again, this is Victoria. Victoria is basically criminalizing the right to protest. Uh, I believe this video here shows Thanos being arrested. And he, the police came from behind him. And he said that he was grabbed gently. But it, I swear to God, it looked like they broke his neck. Um, it was quite frightening to see. And what they did was when people tried to protect him, the police pepper sprayed the people. Why am I telling you this? Am I telling you this to scare you? No. I'm telling you this to say that peaceful protest is all right. And we need to be out there protesting. Um, this is Victor Tay's uh, video, which is a great one. I really recommend that you watch this. Um, Victor made a fantastic video. He was also arrested on Saturday in Sydney. Every Saturday, and he's going to be there today, I believe, every Saturday between 2 and 4, Victor exercises in front of the New South Wales Parliament House, and he's been doing that for four weeks up to this point last week. And um, the police were waiting for him when he came this time. And when he came, he was the only one there, and they sort of just, you know, chatted with him, uh, very friendly, very nice. Then other people started coming to, to exercise as well. They were not protesting, they were exercising. And the police attitude changed. And you can see this on this video here. I highly recommend you watch and share this video um, because it's really important that we see the tactics that are being used. I honestly don't understand how the police can, um, can even act like this, to be honest. Uh, the police should not be able to treat people the way that they did uh, in this video. When I was growing up, I was taught that the police were our friends and that if you were ever in trouble, you go and find a policeman. That's what my mother taught me. If you're ever in trouble, I grew up in New York. So, you know, we, we were always at that time, we were afraid of of something happening. So we were always taught Wherever you are, if you think that you're in danger, find a policeman. And I think what's happening now is that the police are no longer acting like our protectors, and instead they're antagonists. And that's not fair to all police, because I know there are lots and lots of police out there who are very dedicated to protecting the public and would never want to um, victimize anyone. But the way these police behaved last weekend... Um, they were, they were. And I think part of the problem is that the police are getting orders from the government to break up these protests and do it in any way they can. And they're obeying those orders. And I, I think I spoke last week about a video from um, Sacramento, which is the capital of California, where hundreds of police were lined up in um, like riot gear. And they were ready to arrest this crowd of moms and dads that were out there protesting the lockdown. And one person got up and started talking to the crowd and of policemen. And, and he was an ex-military person and a medical doctor. And as he talked, the policemen started turning around and walking away. And by the time he finished talking, there was not one policeman left there because 
Police are people. They've got families in most cases. They are, you know, kind fathers, kind mothers. They are people who care about other people. And they have to learn to separate um, illegal, immoral orders from what their role is to serve and protect. I don't know if Australian police take a, an oath to serve and protect, but certainly um, American police do. Okay, Tristan is sharing uh, a link for the Brisbane rally, and that sort of preempts what I'm going to go to next. Um, there are rallies on May 30th across Australia. Um, these have been organized, and they are dependent on you turning up. I am about two hours from Brisbane and about 10 hours from Sydney, but I'm going to try really hard to get to one of those. I don't know what the border situation will be there. If I can go to Brisbane, I will go to Brisbane. If not, I will go to Sydney. Um, it's called the Millions March, and here is a Facebook page for um, all, of the, all of the rallies, I believe, that are taking place on May 30th. I can't urge you strongly enough to come to one of those rallies that is near you. Um, and it's so important that you do that. It is so important that we stand up and have a voice, but it is also important that we support each other. Um, is there a chance that you will be arrested? Maybe, but there are instructions um, about how to behave and how to act to minimize the risk of that. Did Martin Luther King get arrested multiple times? Yes, he did. Was his campaign of nonviolent protest successful in the end? Yes, it was. If we want our children to live in a better world, if we want our children not to have to kneel to the government, not to be in fear of the government, then we need to speak out and do this now. So I can't urge you enough to please um, go to one of these rallies that's closest to you. I'm just going to go over some of the comments because there's so many of them coming in now. Um, I work in a hospital and have been told the CEO is coming to speak with me because I have declined the flu shot. Even though it's not law in Victoria, apparently the CEO is making it mandatory for our organization. Can he do that? No, he cannot. Um, without legislation, uh, he can't do that. The what I've been told is that if there is an aged care facility that is attached to your hospital, then they are extending that. I don't know if that's your situation, but if you work in a hospital without aged care, then I don't think you have to worry about that. What I would do is simply ask the CEO, could you please provide me with the um, legislation that allows you to require uh, vaccination against any disease? for someone who is an employee of the hospital. And if they can't provide that, then you just respectfully say, thank you very much for your concern about my health, but um, I will decline. And if he insists after that, contact Serene or Nathan Buckley, uh, because it's time that we all started taking legal action. And I believe, I'm not sure, but I believe that you can do this at this point with no cost. You'd have to speak with them first, but I think it's a no win, no pay basis. Um, yeah, it's awful, the government in Italy preying on the more vulnerable. They're not really preying on them. Um, it's just that the information they had at the time was wrong, just like the information the Australian government had at the time was wrong. Um, I, I think that the lockdown situation is what's the illegal thing. That's the preying on people. Uh, and we need to make sure that we don't let the government 
get away with this. Thanos. I'm sorry I pronounced his name Thanos. It's Thanos. Um, he's the person who was one of the two people that was arrested in Melbourne last week. And I saw him speaking and he was lovely. And there was no reason to arrest him. As I said, the crowds were breaking up at the time. Um, so, yes, Kelly, people have forgotten their own intelligence. I personally don't go to doctors unless it's for a broken bone or a life-threatening event, car accidents. And I've got to tell you, I'm exactly the same. Medical doctors have shown that they excel when it comes to acute things, acute circumstances like broken bones, like car accidents, um, things like that. But when it comes to anything chronic or anything related to actual health, um, drugs and vaccines and most medical procedures are not uh, safe. And we can see that in the statistics. It's amazing that the whole country has been locked down for under 100 deaths from coronavirus when basically 100 people in Australia die every day from medical error and adverse reaction to properly prescribed drugs. Um, okay, Tristan again has has posted. Sorry, I've, it's not coming across. Uh, I've clicked on I've clicked on the link, but it's not coming across. Oh, that's because it's so big. Okay, um, there is a very large link on the right hand side. Well, not on the right hand side. Sorry, in the comments section from Tricky Tritty uh, with the information on the Brisbane rally on May 30th, and he has asked that as many people as possible copy that and pass it on. And I will repeat that request, please. Let's spread this information. That brings me to something I want to tell you. Every single day, without exception, probably I get 30 to 40 videos shared with me saying, please watch this, please watch this. And they're different videos. And I know that every single one of them is worth watching. I simply don't have the time to watch every video. So what I've started asking people to do is, have you shared this video on your own Facebook page? Because people share it with me and with the AVN. It's not just me personally. It's the AVN page or no compulsory vaccination page asking me to share the video. And as much as I'd like to share every video, I won't share it unless I've watched it. But if you share it on your page, on your personal page, and people watch it, I will eventually see it and I will share it after I've watched it. I just don't have the time to share everything. Um, so please... If you're sharing something with me, make sure you've shared it on your own page, too. Um, yes, uh, Victor Tay's Facebook page is knowing, uh, knowing, knowing Your Rights, not Know My Rights, um, Knowing My Rights. And his website is, uh, no, it's not Knowing, it's Exercising, sorry, Exercising My Rights is his Facebook page. And his website is ExercisingMyRights.com. Uh, so yeah, Victor is incredible. He really is. He's he's you know young, but he is fearless and just one of the people that the movement really needs. So uh, yeah, just doing their job. I'm sorry, Alfie. It didn't work for the prison guards at Auschwitz, and it does not work for the police here. If doing your job means victimizing citizens who you are supposed to protect that's not doing your job and you shouldn't be doing it it doesn't matter what the government tells you if the government or your superiors in the police force are telling you to turn people into victims just say no that's not your job um so yes and uh, nicola has shared the uh millions march australia 
link. I will also be sharing it at the top of the page. Uh, Kelly says, we're raised to be afraid of the police for good reasons. Now, I was not raised that way. I really wasn't. Maybe it was different in the United States. I don't know. I was raised to respect the police, and I was raised to um, look up to them, and I was raised to go to them if I had a problem. Um, yes, Marion says, police are there to serve us, not dictate. And that's right. If you are a criminal, if you are behaving in a way that breaches current Australian legislation and hurting someone else, then the police are there to take you into custody. If you are a law-abiding citizen protesting in support of your rights in a peaceful manner, then the police have nothing to do with you, and they should have nothing to do with you. Um, so, yes, Jesse said they should be standing up then, and that's right. Uh, okay. Um, yes, go to Victor's Facebook group site. He's put a video together. Yes, and I'll be sharing the link to that. Absolutely. Um, is Hyde Park in Sydney, Lindsay? I think that's Sydney. Uh, yes, the domain. Okay, so that those are the details on the Sydney protest on May 30th. As I said, every state capital is going to be having a protest on May 30th. And if you are close enough to get to the Capitol, you know, I know there are a lot of people sitting there saying, I'm afraid, I don't want to do this. Um, and I'm a little bit fearful too, but I'm going to make my very best effort to get there because I am so much more afraid of what the government will do if we don't show up than I am of being there and, and potentially getting arrested if we do. Um, I think getting arrested for protecting your rights is a badge of honor. And uh, I would be so happy to be there with all of you and to make sure that I have my voice heard. Uh, and I hope that you feel the same way. Uh, Alfie Amigo, hope to see you there. I hope so, too. Um, and Tricky again has put the time down. It's 1 p.m. Okay, they seem to have different times. Some of them start at noon. Some of them start at 1. I think Brisbane must be a bit of late risers. Um, yeah, I think you're talking about the police there, Jennifer. They actually went in with intent, and that was obvious on the video. They knew exactly what they wanted to do. They marched through the crowd in a line and arrested people and, and sprayed others with uh, pepper spray, which is shameful. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> um, to quote Greta Thunberg, how dare they? Um, it was pretty awful. It really was. And what they did to that mother in Sydney, to Renee, was also incredibly awful. And I heard that she's suing the police, and I wish her all the best of luck. Um, Sandy says, I saw it firsthand, the adverse effects of flu vaccines on nurses and residents. One resident died a few days after. One resident, unable to mobilize independently, where she previously had freedom of movement. One nurse fainted on her own in the night two days after. And you know what? Not one of these reactions would have been reported. I'll bet you anything. I am putting a link down in the comments to the reaction report form on the AVN Facebook page. This is not only a place where you can report reactions to us, but it has a link to the Therapeutic Goods Administration, 
Um, what we'd like to ask everyone who knows anyone who's reacted to a vaccine, please get them to fill in that form with as much detail as they have. If they don't have everything, that's fine. But these reactions need to be reported. The government can still get away with claiming that vaccines are safe and effective because the people who are affected by them are not reporting it. They think only the doctors can, and that's not true. You can report this. Um, okay. I'm being asked to um, highlight a, a bombshell video from an Irish researcher. Is that uh, Dr. Kale? I think her name is. Uh, if it is, she was amazing. She was absolutely amazing. Yeah, Lindsay says, being arrested versus being enslaved for the rest of our lives. And yes, that's true. And Adam, I thought of you when I saw this because Adam has put all sorts of different things on the back of his car. Um, this is outside of a Bunnings. I don't know if that's actually on the car. It's been photoshopped in, but it says no one should be allowed to drive again until there are no fatal accidents for 14 consecutive days. Then we can slowly begin to phase in certain classes of people who, to begin driving again, but at only half the posted speed limit. Hashtag safety. And yes, it is when you look at that, you think, well, that's just crazy and ridiculous, but it's no different than what's being done now. Um, absolutely no different. There are so many comments here. I can't get to all of them. I'm sorry. Um, Mezzi says, I'm in Victoria, just been advised from my child's primary that when school returns, parents are not allowed on site, have to drop off at the gate and front door of school and will be locked in. Not comfortable with this. I don't blame you one little bit for not being comfortable with that. That makes me feel very uncomfortable. If parents are not allowed in the school for any reason, then I don't think children belong in the school. Um, I would not be taking my child to school if they told me that. And you know what? If you don't take your child to school, the school's going to lose a whole lot of money. Uh, and I would be keeping my children home and teaching them at home in a situation like that. I mean, we were supposed to do that anyway for a little while. Let's just continue doing it. Um, yeah, so... Uh, Juliet, you're asking to message details to support seeing your mother without a vaccine. Um, I will be putting the contact details for those two lawyers at the top of this broadcast, and they're already on the page. I think that's what you are talking about. Um, Marion says, integrative doctors have more nutritional qualifications. That's true. And one of the links that I want to share, let me see if I can find it. Um, this is what's happening in the United States. This is Dr. Brownstein. He's one of many holistic medical doctors, which are like the ACNAM doctors in, the, in Australia. Um, they treat using nutrition and natural therapies. And Dr. Brownstein, like many nutritional doctors, was saying that there were other ways to treat and prevent um, COVID-19, ways that have been proven and shown around the world to be able to treat and prevent COVID-19. And he's been hit with a um, federal trade commission, I think that is FTC uh, citation that he needed to post on his website saying that for the duration of the, um, the panic or the campaign, um, he will not be, sorry, I just realized I'm not sharing that page. He will not be allowed to share any of this information. So the government is happy to allow people to die and be sick without having access to information about treatments that can be very safe and effective, as long as it means that people are going to be thinking that drugs and vaccines are the only answer to these uh, COVID questions, and that's simply not true. Now, 
as I showed in Australia, uh, the government is really not playing with a full deck when it comes to this issue. The United States is no different. This is Dr. Deborah Burke. She's one of the people on the government's um, coronavirus panel. Um, and she says that coronavirus death tolls are inflated by up to 25%. I think it's probably closer to 75%, but that's what she said. And she's made a very interesting statement here. Um, she criticized the method that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention were using to collect data uh, during a heated task force meeting. She said, there is nothing from the CDC that I can trust. Nothing from the CDC that I can trust. Now, we've been saying this for years, and especially after the CDC whistleblower issue where Dr. William Thompson was shown to um, have gone along with lying about studies that showed that vaccines don't cause autism when the studies actually showed the exact opposite. So what Dr. Burks is saying here is that we can't trust the figures from the CDC on coronavirus deaths. This is the table that I showed you last week. Last week, it showed the total deaths from COVID-19 were 37,000 when publicly they were, they were around 75,000. So the, the tables on the CDC's own website for provisional deaths from COVID-19 were much lower than they were in public. Now, this week, the CDC is stating publicly that about 87,000 Americans have died from COVID-19, but the deaths on their website are 60,000. And according to Deborah Burks, even that figure is inflated by at least 25%. There was an interview with a, uh, a, a some health official in Pennsylvania um, just last week on television, and she said, she openly admitted, she said, if there is someone who is on hospice care with cancer and they are dying, they only have days or potentially weeks to live, and when they die, their blood is tested and there is evidence in their blood of a coronavirus infection, their death certificate will state that they died from coronavirus. So openly stating that fraudulent methods are used to bulk up the deaths from coronavirus. How many of those 60,000 deaths that are stated on the um, CDC's website as being caused by coronavirus were actually simply deaths where a patient was diagnosed post-death and coronavirus was found in their bloodstream but had absolutely no relation to their death? Um, I would say the majority. I think that the majority of people who are stated as having died from coronavirus either died from an underlying condition and in Italy which had the highest level of coronavirus deaths in the world they say that 99% this is the government the Italian government 99% of those whose death um, certificate stated COVID-19 actually died with three or more comorbidities so other conditions that could have caused their death but the deaths are put down as COVID-19 so I think the majority of these COVID-19 deaths were not COVID-19 deaths. And of those deaths, I think a lot of them were actually iatrogenic, otherwise caused by doctors through the use of um, ventilators, which killed a lot of people. Uh, between 80 and 90% of the people who were put on ventilators died on ventilators. Um, Sandy asks, who is advocating for aged care residents when the home is on lockdown? Nobody. Their families can't see them. 
And if they can't see them, how can they advocate for them? Um, there is one thing that I was told, and that is that you are perfectly within your right as a relative of a person living in an aged care facility or aged care prison, as I'm thinking of them now, to go and take your relative out for the day. You may not be able to go in there and see them, but you can go and take them out for the day. Someone from the staff will have to walk them to the front gate and put them in your care. They are not in prison. They are able to go out for the day. If your relative is able to do that and you are able to care for them for a day, then that is something that perhaps you should consider doing. Um, because leaving them in a healthcare facility without any input from their relatives is a recipe for disaster, sadly. In many of these facilities, they are not well cared for. Um, and it's also a way to hopefully let the facility know that you do not approve of them getting a flu shot. Um, I know someone whose elderly father um, who has never been vaccinated in their entire life. He was, he's in his 90s. He's been incredibly healthy, and he's incredibly healthy now. Um, he has dementia, and they vaccinated him without the permission of the family. In fact, the family had something in his file saying he was not to be vaccinated, and yet this man was vaccinated by a physician who obviously thought that she knew better than the family. And this very healthy man has been having health issues ever since the vaccination. And um, when these things happen, I think legal action should be taken because a vaccination without permission is an, an illegal act. It's an assault, actually. So uh, it would be really good if more people would take legal action when things like this happen. Okay. Uh, Todd... I will put a link to her interview. Um, there's two interviews. She was on the high wire this week. Professor Cahill was on the high wire this week. And then there was another interview with another Irish um, uh, online journalist, which is the one that I saw. I haven't seen the high wire yet. I haven't even had time to watch the high wire, which I try and do every week. So I will share both of those links to Facebook after today's show. I promise, I promise I will do that. Um, Please listen to Dr. James Chestnut on Facebook, who talked a few days ago about comorbidity. COVID-19 doesn't kill, comorbidity does. Could you possibly share a link to that interview? That would be really good if you could, Di. Thanks a lot. Um, so I want to talk to you a little bit about the, the use of masks. I don't know how many of you have been seeing people out wearing masks when you went outside. I've seen the occasional person. I, you know, in the United States, when I see videos, everybody's wearing masks. Everybody's wearing these rubber gloves or silicon gloves, whatever they are. I know a lot of people who have silicon allergies, and um, that's probably not a good thing for them. But um, it is very common in the United States and in other countries like China, a lot of Asian countries, um, people who are ill wear masks when they go outside, which is probably a, a good, good thing to do just while you're walking in the street if you know that you're sick and you're outside wearing a mask is probably a good way of you know, helping to alleviate the spread of infection. But in the US and in certain areas, it's required to wear a mask. And what we've seen last week, there were two young boys who died 
um, while they were wearing a mask and exercising. Now, I've, I've got a link that I'll be sharing to this document. These are all stories about uh, the dangers that wearing a mask when you're healthy posed. Um, surgeons and doctors wear masks for short periods of time. I have actually seen videos of people and pictures of people who put masks on their newborn infants and on babies under 12 months of age. Oh, Sally Ann says in the Philippines, they'll be fine if they go out without a properly worn mask. So yeah, so in some areas, it is the law to wear a mask. And if you have to, I guess you have to, uh, but maybe choosing a mask that is uh, not going to completely mean that you're breathing in carbon, <clears throat> sorry, breathing in your own exhale, carbon monoxide, um, carbon you know what? I can't remember if it's carbon monoxide. I think it is. So uh, that can actually cause huge problems. And that's probably why um, people have been dying from wearing, um, it's carbon dioxide, from wearing masks. And it's something that we need to be aware of. There are symptoms that you need to be aware of. If you've been wearing a mask for too long, look at this list of symptoms and be aware that if something like that happens, get the mask off. Um, Sandra's, oh sorry, Sandin said, no one wearing masks where I live. Dell Bigtree did awesome video picking the wearing of masks to pieces. Matthew McConaughey telling everyone to wear masks. And of course we take all of our advice from um, people in Hollywood. Uh, so yeah, what we're seeing a lot of in the United States also is um, this contact tracing. Now, our, our beloved leader, ScoMo, um, has put out an app that'll be on, the, on phones. It's called the COVID Safe app. And he's saying it's not going to be required unless enough people don't download it. Uh, but it doesn't work on iPhones. It requires you to have Bluetooth on all the time, and it turns itself off if your phone goes to sleep. So it's not a very effective app anyway. But in the United States, uh, legislation has been introduced called the TRACE Act. And I kid you not, the, the number, every, every piece of legislation introduced in the House or the Senate in the United States is assigned a number. Now, I don't know if the numbers are assigned randomly or if they ask for a number, but the number of this TRACE Act is HR um, for the House 6666. And what they're doing is uh, Representative Bobby Rush is asking for a $100 billion, with a B, dollar grant to NGOs and organizations who are all front groups to carry out contract tracing throughout the United States. So what these things will do is basically what the COVID Safe app is supposed to do. Um, they will allow the government to access your information. Who have you been in contact with? So let's say you are diagnosed through one of these faulty tests with COVID-19. Um, they will then be able to say, well, in the last two weeks, you have been around these 50 people. We will now go out and force these 50 people to be tested for coronavirus with the same faulty apps. And if they are found to have coronavirus, then they can be quarantined. They can be forcibly vaccinated or medicated. And yeah, symbolism right there is right, Alfie. Uh, that, that number is kind of frightening. 
and I'm not even a Christian. So um, it's, it's just another way that the government is using this um, pandemic or plandemic or whatever you want to call it to rip our rights away. It's another way that they are using a situation that may have been of their own making um, in order to say that we don't have the right to bodily integrity. So um, just be aware of this, this whole contact tracing situation. And I have a link to this uh, page here, like I have a link to all of them. This contract, um, contact tracing situation is quite frightening. Now, this is a video. It's too long for me to share with you, but it's uh, Ben Swan, who is an independent journalist, and he uh, has looked into this HR 6666 in depth. And I highly recommend that you watch this video. Uh, he does great work. He really does. Um, so yeah, Ben Swan is someone to watch here. Now, I just want to share We've been told that Donald Trump has said that when the vaccine is ready, and he says he's fast-tracking it to be ready by the end of this year, which is really fast-tracking. They can't possibly do much testing of it to get it ready this year. Um, he's going to get the military to help with distribution of the vaccine. And everybody's losing their minds saying that Trump is going to require everyone to take this vaccine. I just want you to watch this short video that was taken on a cracked screen, so I apologize for the quality. A fully approved vaccine for everyone, the full public, or a partially approved vaccine with emergency use? No, we're looking for a full vaccine for everyone that wants to get it. Not everybody's going to want to get it. Okay, so did you hear him there? We're looking for a vaccine for everyone that wants to get it. Not everyone is going to want to get it. And I love that Anthony Fauci is standing behind Trump with a mask on and Trump is standing there without a mask because Trump is not requiring people to wear masks. He doesn't believe that everybody should be required to wear masks and he does not believe that everybody should be forced to take a vaccine. I just want to share this other slide with you. This is something, uh, sorry, I've got so many things here. Um, oh, where is it? Sorry, I apologize. I've got like 95 tabs open here. And it's very hard to find the one that I put in the wrong order. Ah, uh, sorry, I can't find it, but I will share the link to it. Um, it is a link of Donald Trump's tweets in about the five to six years before he became president, before he won the election, about vaccination. Donald Trump has a long history of questioning the safety of vaccines and questioning the necessity of vaccines as well. And I don't believe, me personally, I don't believe that his election has changed his mind one bit. He has not made this an issue, and it's been really difficult for him to make it an issue with the COVID-19 pandemic on, but um, he is running for re-election. If he wins, I believe it will become an issue because he won't have to run for re-election again. There's a strict two-term two limit for, um, for vaccinations. Oh, sorry, <laughs> vaccination on the brain, obviously. There is a strict two-term limit for presidencies in the United States. Um, 
All right, let me just look at some of these comments. Meryl, I made a comment previously about a huge amount of money, $50 million, being given to Telethon Kids Institute to test interferon as a preventative to go in and do preventative treatments on all contacts traced from an infected people. That's pretty crazy. Interferon, they used interferon for a lot of different things. It's used in cancer treatment. But as far as I know, it's also... I think it might be a pooled drug, a, a pooled blood product, and it has known side effects. So to use it as a preventative, simply for people who've been exposed to someone who may have tested positive for COVID-19 using a um, an inaccurate test, uh, is the height of insanity. And forcing it on people, as the government has said they are planning on doing, um, this is another reason why we all need to get out on May 30th and tell the government that we do not consent. Um, yes, Stephen, everyone who wants to get it, as Trump said, doesn't mean everyone is going to get it. And that's true. If you want a vaccine, get a vaccine. If you want more than one, you can have mine too. But um, Trump is not saying that he is going to require vaccines. Scott Morrison has talked about requiring vaccines. Katie Atwell in WA has talked about requiring vaccines. And I am saying, keep your hands off my damn body, all right? I'm not going to take your vaccine. It doesn't matter what you do. You can jail me. You can fine me. You can arrest me. It doesn't matter. I am not taking a vaccine. I do not consent. And I think we all who believe that we should have the right to bodily integrity should be saying exactly the same thing. Um, Stephen says, yeah, Trump's is tops. He's the best president the U.S. has had in a generation. Don't tell anyone, Stephen, but I happen to agree with you. He's not perfect. I hate his environmental policies. But as far as standing up to the man, standing up to the corporate interests, there's been nobody like Trump for ages. And I pray that he will stand up to those people who are trying to make vaccinations compulsory and to use this coronavirus outbreak uh, as an excuse to take away our rights completely. I'm hoping that he will do that. So... Um, Sharon Bailey said HIV AIDS treatments in early days were they using interferon for that I just remember AZT um, but yeah I know they use interferon for a whole lot of different things and it does have a long list of side effects um, yeah Sandan says and mine never had a flu vaccine never had the flu and that's been the experience of so many people um, yeah Scott Morrison He's been such a disappointment to me personally as a prime minister. I thought he'd be stronger in supporting rights. He ran on that. He ran on that when he ran for prime minister, well, when his party ran. Um, so, yes. Uh, Kelly says, if you want to become an RN, you must be fully vaccinated. There are ways around the vaccination for your, for your practical work, Kelly. But try getting a job without a vaccine, even though the law does not state that you need to be vaccinated. A lot of hospitals are discriminating against people. And that's the thing with this whole vaccination issue. It has become um, acceptable discrimination, acceptable segregation. Uh, you know, we went through this in the 60s with the civil rights movement, that, that neither segregation nor discrimination um, should ever be allowed. And now we have the government openly supporting both segregation and discrimination. And it is, uh, okay, it, it is something that has made Australia 
turn from a democracy, an egalitarian democracy, to a fascist dictatorship, which is what it is now. And I dare anyone to tell me it's not. Um, <laughs> Penny, I hate the way he talks with a smirk. I want to slap it off his face. Let's not get violent. We don't support violence here. Um, but certainly he is not showing respect for the people who have elected him. He is also a public servant. He works for us. And he needs to understand that. My friend is a midwife and was forced into vaccinations. Okay, nobody is forced into vaccinations. No matter what the government is saying, there are ways that you can handle this. And I'm, I mean, I'm not in that situation. I can't say what happens if I lose my job and I can't pay bills. But what happens if I take a vaccine and I'm permanently injured? I can't pay bills then either. And nobody's going to take responsibility for me. So I need to take action to protect myself. If I feel that I'm at risk from a vaccine or that a vaccine should not be forced on me, then it's up to me to stand up. And as we've seen, there are lawyers out there who will help protect you. I don't know if your friend sent a letter to the hospital. We shared several My Will letters that can hopefully be used to help with this. Um, we are not victims. We are not helpless. We are strong people who need to stand up and feel our strength. And yeah, this is before we all started to campaign. I understand that. And that's why I think that knowing your rights is so important and knowing that you have alternatives to everything is also incredibly important. So I'm sorry that your friend was put through that. I really am. Um, and I, I just think, <laughs> Penny, this is live, not Memorex. <laughs> so <laughs> and that's okay because I know I know that feeling so well. Sometimes when I see some of these people up there, Anthony Fauci for one, Bill Gates for another, I do want to smack them silly. Um, but I realize that uh, that violence is never an answer to anything. So I try and control those those um, emotions. <laughs> so yeah. Now speaking of those emotions, I want to share another short video with you. So just bear with me a second, I'll get that up here. When my staff arrived at the office in Salisbury East, they found this stuck to the door of the office. Now, I think I'm a pretty tolerant kind of person, but everyone has their limits. And when it comes to the anti-vaxxer movement, that's where I draw the line. So I'm recording this message to let people know that whenever these get stuck to my office, this is where they're going to go. Okay, that intolerant person um, is an MP from South Australia. And from what I understand, he removed that video from his Facebook page, maybe 10 or 15 minutes after he posted it, he must have realized what he had done. But luckily, yes, he's the member for Wright Blair, forget his surname. Now, if somebody remembers it, please let me know. Um, and he obviously realized that he shouldn't have done that. That was a really wrong thing to do. And it does not show tolerance at all. And we, we, have, we are getting um, handouts of that exact poster. 
Um, it says that I nearly died after a vaccine, but I still can't get a medical exemption. And that is the situation. Um, <laughs> that is the situation uh, that that we actually are facing as parents and grandparents in Australia. It's We're not all Bryce Cartwright. We cannot get medical exemptions to vaccination, even if we've had serious reactions that have brought us close to death. So that representative, that MP from Wright in South Australia, when he shredded that paper on Facebook publicly, he was not saying that he disagrees with people who oppose vaccination. He is saying that he's willing to shred the rights of parents whose children have nearly died from vaccination, and he is willing to say to them, you have to keep vaccinating even if it kills your child. And he needs to be held accountable for that. He needs to be defeated in the next election, and he needs people in his electorate to go and visit him or to call him if they can't visit him because of this stupid lockdown. Um, he needs people in his electorate to call him out on that. Uh, no empathy. Absolutely, Anna. He showed no empathy whatsoever. And as someone who has spent years, first of all, as the mother of a vaccine-injured child myself, but as someone who has spent years and spoken with literally thousands of families whose children have either been permanently injured or killed by vaccines, I can tell you that my stomach turned when I saw him do that. Um, no, he doesn't need more vaccines, Alfie. None of us need more vaccines. What he needs is to learn where his heart is and to attach his brain to his heart somehow. So find that channel um, that connects the heart to the mind. And yes, Sharon, it was a very symbolic gesture to shred the rights and voices of the damage done by the government's policies. Every child who is injured or killed by a vaccine has had that experience because the government has not taken responsibility to either test vaccines and make sure they're safe or to accept that the treatments and preventatives that they have approved without ever testing them are killing and injuring people in Australia. Um, yes, Penny, that MP should resign. I agree with you. We should not have to beg for permission to refuse a vaccine, and we should not have to be a famous sports star in order to get an exemption. We shouldn't even have to ask for an exemption. When I moved to Australia, I didn't have to ask for an exemption to vaccination. If I wanted to vaccinate, I did. If I didn't want to vaccinate, I didn't. If I wanted to choose one vaccine over another, I could. That right has been taken away from us, and that is something that needs to change. In 1998, the AVN lobbied federal parliament to bring in the conscientious objector clause. We did so with the help and support of the Australian Greens Party, Senator Bob Brown, and every single independent in parliament at that time. Today, our independents are absolute wusses. The Greens Party comes out completely in support of mandatory vaccination, of nuclear power of GMOs. I mean, what the hell? So it's, it's, we have had a complete change and we need to bring these people back in line and realize, make them realize that they're there to represent us, not the other way around. Um, Tracy said that that was disgusting. I felt he was trying to erase all of us that have been injured by their toxic crap. And that's exactly right. 
he's saying you don't have a voice. I'm not going to listen to you, even if you are my constituent, and it is my obligation to listen to you. And if you have a child who's been injured by vaccines, I'm putting you in the shredder. And that's that was symbolically what he did, and that's so wrong. Um, Sharon, what Marilyn said, appalling behavior. He should resign, and I agree. And said yes, exactly. He should. Um, and Kaz said, the Greens haven't been the same since Bob Brown, and that's sadly true. They used to represent real um, real issues, real moral uh, decisions, and now they don't anymore. Um, and Penny says, we shouldn't nearly have to die to get an exemption. Exactly. Exemptions should be something we, sh we shouldn't have to apply for in the first place. But if we apply for them, we should be given them no questions asked, because as parents, and as free men and women, we have the ultimate right and obligation to decide what goes into our bodies. The government government should be there for infrastructure, build the roads, make the trains run on time, pick up the garbage. That's it. Get out of our lives. Get out of our homes. You have no right to be here. <laughs> the greens are now red on the inside. That's true. Um, it's a new fad they're trying to impose, beat up, make fun of people who want to have a choice. That fad ha has been around for about 10 years. And yes, you're right. The whole conversation changed when that fan started. It used to be a matter of, I respect your right to do what you feel is best, as long as you respect my right to do the same, even if our decisions are different. And that's gone right out the window. Right now, it's you do what I say. I will not respect you. Um, you have to simply follow orders. Sharon said, had a dream before an election for which I was going to hand out Greens flyers. In the dream, Bob Brown was not impressed I was helping. Now I know why. <laughs> You're psychic, Sharon. Um, I'm running out of time here because I'm already well over the hour time. Um, just a couple of other articles that I'd like to share. Um, Dr. Didier Raoul, who is an expert from France, he's been quoted several times on the High Wire and a researcher, um, what he's done is he's compared, oh, and I forgot again to share the screen, my apologies, he has compared the situation in Spain with the situation um, in, sorry, I think it was Sweden. Oh, okay, sorry, my apologies. It was all in Spain. He compared workers who were locked down in Spain, so people who couldn't go to work, with people in Spain who were able to go to work, so I guess essential workers, and he found that the lockdown did not work. The people who were going to work, going out of their houses, getting out, doing their jobs, they had fewer infections than the people who were locked down in their houses and not allowed to mix with other people. And that makes a lot of common sense when you think about it. It, it makes a lot of sense. Um, yes, I did talk about Dolores Penny, and I will share the link to her, at least one, if not two, of her talks. She was on uh, the high wire as well. But yeah, this is the situation that we're seeing around the world. Sweden, I talked about Sweden several times. Sweden did not have a lockdown, and their rates of deaths and infections are far lower than they were in Italy, which was on a complete lockdown. Um, South Korea, I think, did not completely lock down. Uh, Japan did not completely lock down. And many of these countries 
had a better experience with COVID-19 than countries that went on total lockdown. And that brings to mind what is informing government policy. Are they simply monkeys following what some chief monkey is telling them to do? Are they using this? Uh, are they trying to learn from what they're doing? When they saw that other countries did not have problems, uh, even though they didn't lock down, did they say, well, maybe we should change what we're doing? No, they did not. When they saw that people were using intravenous vitamin C, zinc, and hydroxychloroquine and completely curing um, coronavirus, even in people who are at death's door, did they say, well, maybe that's what we should be doing? No, they did not. They stopped doctors' ability to prescribe these treatments because they, they would rather people die, apparently, than actually use a treatment that is not uh, making billions for the pharmaceutical industry uh, that is safe and effective. So this is what uh, is happening. But have no fear. Let me find this article. I really, I need to make sure that I do not ever have this many tabs open at one time because it makes it nearly impossible for me to find anything. There was a great article that I know I had a link to and now I can't find it. But I did, however, find the tweets from Donald Trump that I wanted to share earlier. Um, it is an article about, and I will share it with you when I can later on, it said that anti-vaxxers are winning the battle on Facebook. And what, it said, what this article said, it was in Newsweek. So I will share the link to that. Um, Newsweek found that pages that question vaccination, they called them anti-vaxxers, even though Facebook is suppressing them, even though they are being throttled like crazy so that people can't find them unless they already have a link to them, they are more successful at sharing information with people who are questioning. So this is not just speaking in an echo chamber. People who come onto Facebook with questions about vaccination, they are finding the, the pages that have information um, not government-approved information, but actual information, uh, and liking it a lot more than they're liking the official government and medical mantra. So it shows you that people are not stupid. The government treats us like we're mushrooms, but we're not. We are not stupid people. We will know the difference between lies and truth. And what the government, the medical community, and the media are doing right now is lying about all of this. And people are able to see the difference. And God willing, you will all come out and protest against those lies on May 30th. Now, I want to share one other thing with you before we finish today. Um, I will put a link to the AVN's website um, where there is a history of the AVN's experience with the Healthcare Complaints Commission. Um, the Healthcare Complaints Commission is a body that was set up in New South Wales, there's one in every state, and they, uh, they were set up to make sure that dangerous doctors are not able to practice in the state, that they will be held accountable if they harm or injure their patients. That was the whole purpose of the HCCC. What the HCCC has become is not a, a, a watchdog to make sure that doctors are, are behaving in a safe way. They have become a body that protects the medical community against the patients and the, uh, the citizens who live in New South Wales. So 
there is a very good page on the AVN's website that talks a lot about past complaints and uh, challenges that the AVN has faced with the HCCC. It actually took the HCCC to the, the um, Supreme Court in New South Wales and we won against them. The court found that the HCCC had acted illegally in ever citing the AVN and that they did not have a legal right. They acted in what's called an ultra vires way outside of the law in even bringing a complaint against us. And what happened after that was the HCCC simply changed, uh, the minister for the HCCC changed legislation to allow the HCCC to file their own complaints. So in other words, they're no longer responding to complaints from the community. They are now judge, jury, and executioner on complaints against bodies like the AVN. So I haven't heard from the HCCC for a long time. I don't even get a Christmas card from them. It's wrong, absolutely wrong. But a few days ago, I got a letter from them, which I, I will share with you as soon as I have permission to share it. Um, and this letter was addressed to Mrs. Merrill Dory, Care of Australian Vaccination Skeptics Network. So they couldn't even get the name of the organization right. And it was sent to the wrong address. So it took a little bit long to get here. Um, this is the uh, ability of the HCCC to investigate. They can't even find the right organization or our address. Um, and it says, our decision concerning the complaint from an anonymous complainant. Now, I was surprised because the HCCC is required to go through an assessment process where they actually provide the person who's being complained against with a copy of the complaint and give you an opportunity to respond to that, which they can then decide whether your response is valid or whether the complaint is valid. In other words, do a fair and unbiased assessment. But this is not what the HCCC did in this case. Um, the HCCC has assessed the complaint received from an anonymous complainant, a brave anonymous complainant, concerning misleading information posted by you and the Australian Vaccination Skeptics Network in relation to COVID-19. We are unable to provide you with a copy of the complaint as the complainant does not consent for the complaint to be released. Think about that for a minute. So it's okay for the complainant to be anonymous if that complainant even exists. That's all right. They can be anonymous. But to not even provide us with the complaint, not to redact the information that would identify the complainant and then present us with the complaint, that is the worst of the worst. That is true kangaroo court. And I had to laugh when I read that. On review of all the information, the commission will be making the following comments to you. So based on the information that I'm not entitled to see uh, from an anonymous complainant who I'm not entitled to know about and none, none of the AVN is entitled to know about, this is what the HCCC says. The commission would like to remind you and AVN that consumers have reviewed the Skeptics website. Now, what is the Skeptics website? It's not our website. If they reviewed our website, they would have gotten the name right. And they even spelled Skeptics wrong. It's not the way that we had spelled it. Um, and have raised concerns about your portrayal of viruses and misleading and inaccurate comments about how long COVID-19 can survive on plastic, glass, etc. Now, I looked up what the HCCC would consider to be an authoritative source, the World Health Organization, and I looked up how long does COVID-19 last on surfaces. And they said, we don't know. 
how long COVID-19 lasts on surfaces. Now, I don't know what page of the website they're referring to here because I guess I'm not entitled to know that either. But I don't even know if there's any place on the website where we say how long it lasts, but I will write to the HCCC and just ask them to do that. The Commission would also like to remind you and the AVN of the powers of the Commission to issue a public warning against you and the AVN should the misleading commentary continue. So the misleading commentary that is not misleading at all, where they don't even show me where that commentary is, and I'm saying me because they address the letter to me, um, we can't keep saying what they're saying we said because supposedly it's misleading even though they didn't provide any evidence that it is misleading in any way. And if we don't, they're going to issue a public warning against us, which they've done before. Um, they've issued a public warning. And the public warning was issued without any information. So if they want to issue another public warning, hey, you know, if it, if it makes them happy, that's fine. Issue a public warning because a public warning from the HCCC is a sign that we're doing right. We're doing the good work. Um, so they also say the commission did not request a response from you. Remember I said that they're really supposed to give us a copy of the complaint and then allow us to explain or, or respond to it. Um, we did not, the commission did not request a response from you and the AVN as we considered we had sufficient information to assess this complaint. So again, judge, jury, and executioner. And Sharon says, I think they are scared the AVN would recognize the complainant's writing style. <laughs> I don't know if that's the case, Sharon. It's possible. It's very possible. But, you know, even then they could have just pulled out little bits and shown them to us. They've done this once before, though. Not quite to this extent. But in the initial complaint that we received from Ken McLeod um, from Stop the AVN, there was a second complaint that was received after McLeod's complaint uh, from Tony and David McCaffrey, the parents of Dana McCaffrey. And we were not allowed to see that complaint, but they told us, basically outlined what the complaint had said. And uh, <laughs> Alfie says, written by a robot, it seems. Yeah, I think the robots must be staffing the HCCC. So we were not allowed to see the complaint from the McCaffreys, but we were required to respond to it. And if you read the information from the HCCC, you'll see that uh, was the case. They really and truly, it just amazes me that they waste the public's time and money on issues like this while there are dangerous doctors like the Butcher of Biga that they did absolutely nothing about. Um, and he injured and maimed hundreds of women and they did nothing about him. So yes, disgusting corruption right there. You've, you've put your finger right on it, Penny. They are really and truly. And like, if it was a normal organization, a normal government body, I could fill in a GIPA, which is a, basically a freedom of information request for New South Wales, and request a copy of the redacted information from that complaint. But the HCCC is one of two bodies in Australia. The Crime Commission is the other one that is immune to uh, freedom of information requests. So they are completely outside and above the law. And that is not right. That is apt. I can see why they should be able to preserve the privacy of complainants. Uh, and yes, I think that's essential. 
because if you are going to file a complaint against a doctor or a medical professional or a pharmaceutical company, you don't want them coming after you. So yes, you want to be able to preserve the identity of the people who make complaints, but to not even have to release the information about who, you know, how the complaints were filed, whether they came from a government department or not. Is it possible that a government official filed a complaint against the AVN? Um, is it is it right that people who have never been injured by someone are able to file a complaint with the HCCC, which is put up specifically to prevent injury by health professionals? Um, I just thought I'd share that with you because it is rather funny <laughs> in, a, in a sad kind of way. Um, and to, to tell you that uh, the AVN is not going to be threatened or bullied uh, by an organization like the HCCC, we will always cooperate with government bodies um, and we will request information from them if they will provide it. But uh, <laughs> they don't like, yeah, Penny said they don't like how I described or how we described the virus. I, I don't know how we described the virus because they didn't even give us a page number. They could have given us on this page here at this link, you have said this. Not to even say that. It's, it's like coming up to someone and saying, I don't like your mother's face. You know, it's, it's, it's so stupid. It is so ridiculous that this is the sort of investigation and assessment uh, a, a previously esteemed government body like the Healthcare Complaints Commission has carried out. Um, and all behind the cloud of secrecy uh, where you can't even question them and expect an answer. I will be questioning them and the AVN will be sending them a letter, but I don't expect to get much of an answer. Uh, but we'll keep you informed about how they respond to us. Uh, and yeah, this is the this is the height. This is the way the government fights against people who question them. Yeah. <laughs> Sharon says they can't describe the virus, so good look good luck trying to do it yourself. It's true. This virus was only first talked about on the 31st of December uh, 2019. Uh, it, was, it was not until February that they actually had a test for it, I think. And even since then, the tests have shown to be incredibly inaccurate. As I said before, that antibody test, uh, $10 million was spent on antibody tests that don't work. So. Does the HCCC know any more about this virus than anyone else does? Do they know any more about how long it lives on various surfaces and how can a virus live on a surface when a virus is not alive in the first place? Uh, there are lots of good questions and they're not providing any good answers. So it, it's one of those things. Yeah, harassment. That's exactly what it is, Jane. Government harassment to waste our time and cause undue stress, but they don't. Um, they are wasting our time. Just reading that letter was, was two minutes that I'll never get back in my life. But it doesn't cause us any stress because quite honestly, we're over them. <laughs> we are over the HCCC and we are over the government departments that are trying to tell us what to do, how to live our lives, how to stay healthy when they themselves can't do anything right. They are inefficient, corrupt, and just basically don't know what the heck they're doing. So 
Yeah. yeah, as a member of the public, I do not believe it was served up in bat stew. That's the coronavirus. And that wet market in China where they're saying that was, you know, ground zero for coronavirus, they never have served any bat soup in that market. It's a wet market, which I didn't understand what that meant when I originally heard it, but it's a fish market. So wet markets are creatures that live in the sea. And last I heard, there are no bats that live in the sea. So, um, yep, Helen is right. The virus has never been isolated. I interviewed David Crow a few weeks ago on Under the Wire, and I linked to his paper on coronavirus. And he's put out a brand new paper, which I will link to on this page. I, I just saw it this morning. I haven't even looked at it yet. But um, he's one of the people who's doing real research, who's doing real studies into what is being told to us. And you are being lied to. I, that's one thing I can tell you. You are being lied to uh, about this and about so many other things. And I am going to be going in a second, but I do want to remind you that at the end of this broadcast, I'm going to put a whole bunch of links at the top of the broadcast. Please go through them. Um, there may be some links that I've left off of here, and I will add them later on as the day goes on. I will try and look over your comments and reply to things that need replying to. And I want to remind everyone to visit the Millions March page on Facebook, which is one of the links that I've posted, and to look through and find all the links for the various marches, um, protests that are going to be held around Australia to make sure that when you go, you are peaceful, you are social distancing so that there are no excuses to arrest you, and to make sure that you show up and show your support for individual rights and freedoms in Australia. Because if you don't do it, nobody will. And if you don't do it, your children's rights are forfeit. So we need to make sure that we take this action to protect all Australians against a government that has gone mad. And um, we need to show them that we do not consent. So thank you all. I really appreciate your showing up week after week onto Under the Wire. Um, next week we will be having an interview, so I appreciate uh, you letting me rabbit on like this by myself, and, uh, and we will talk again next week, okay? Thanks so much. Have a great weekend for the rest of your weekend, and I'll see you on Under the Wire next Saturday. Bye-bye.